part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. As we come this evening, uh, we'll be coming to the table in just a moment. But I want to look at that uh, passage in Isaiah that we uh, had as a responsive reading. It's an amazing thing that I've uh, been in the church now. I, was, I came to know Christ when I was 12 years old. Uh, you can do the quick math. That's, that was a long time ago. And uh, in these 45 years that uh, I've come into more and more understanding of what it means, you know, sometimes I think we can get dulled over the, the sacrifice that Christ made. That year after year we come to a place of Easter. We come to a place where we uh, take the Lord's Supper. We do all these different things. And, and that impact of really what happened there 2,000 years ago, that uh, it becomes a little bit commonplace. In fact, we were talking last night in our life group that we've even kind of sanitized Christianity a little bit. You know, we don't really talk a lot about the blood of Jesus Christ that much anymore. And, uh, and in fact, we asked one of the young uh, ones that was there, I said, you know, if you just brought up like the blood of Christ, you know, to your friends, they said, oh, they'd look at me weird. Yeah. <laughs> And yet, this is the very foundation of what uh, our belief is, that by the shed blood of Christ, that this work of atonement was done. And the justification of our sins, and, and a whole bunch of other big theological words that we could throw there, but basically, it was, it was when Christ died for us, and didn't have that temporary covering of sin anymore. So that's what the Jewish people were used to. They were used to gathering an animal, and going to the temple, going to the priest, and the priest would make sacrifice, and and it would be a temporary covering for sin. And yet, the minute they walked out of that place, and by the time that they got home, they probably would have already sinned. And so, of course, the next week, they're going to have to head right back to the temple. They're going to have to go through that whole procedure over and over and over again. And God gave a word to the prophet Isaiah. He said, one day there's going to be this Lamb of God, there's going to be this ultimate sacrifice. And he said, you'll never have to sacrifice again. You'll never have to take a lamb. You'll never have to get another animal. Bring it to the priest. Because once and for all, it's going to be satisfied. When we think about the cross, it really is a paradox. There's a part of the, uh, the cross that we see the brutality. We, we see that in Isaiah. In fact, look again at verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. A lot of big words in there, a lot of words that that have deep theological meaning. And, And yet, 700 years before Christ would go to the cross, God laid upon the heart of Isaiah, this prophet, this man of God, to already foretell what was coming in this Messiah. And yet it was not what the Jewish people really expected. They wanted a king. They wanted a king that was greater than David. And to think of a king that would be suffering was beyond anything that they could imagine. They wanted a triumphant king. And so when the prophet Isaiah begins to tell about how this king is going to suffer, they really couldn't put it together in their minds. They really couldn't grasp why he had to suffer. They they wanted this victorious one that would come as a soldier, that would come and just take over the world and bring victory to the Jewish people. And yet God had a different plan. So many things in the Bible really are paradoxes. By by Christ laying down his life and death, he brings us life. 
by, by giving his bodily form to death, he, he brings us into spiritual life. He comes from heaven to earth so that we can go from earth to heaven. When you think about it throughout the Bible, it's all these paradoxes of all these things that come together in this one man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Isaiah went on in verse 7, he said, He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. We see in the midst of this brutality this beautiful picture of the sacrifice that Christ would do for us. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is in Philippians chapter 2. That it, Paul said that even though Jesus was equal with God, he did not grasp that equality. He did not grasp that, but he emptied himself. And we see this great picture starting Isaiah, completing on the cross, and continuing through the New Testament of the sacrifice that Christ would do for us. As we read down, we begin to see in in verse 6, And all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. The Bible makes it real clear, Old Testament, New Testament, that none of us are perfect. And in all these years of ministry, you know, there's been a lot of conflict. I've had a lot of discussions with people. There's been a lot of times that people haven't always agreed with my conclusions or what the Bible says. But you know there's been one argument that I've never, ever had with somebody, and that is their perfection. Nobody has ever argued, well, you know, I just am perfect. I have never sinned. The Bible says that because of that, that we can really not have life with a holy God. If you grew up in the church, that's probably become so common to you that, and it's so accepted by you and such a part of your faith that maybe it doesn't stand out of really how far and wide that gap was between a holy God and a sinful people. But here Isaiah tells us that Christ would be this lamb and that all the sins of the world would be laid upon him. It's kind of an amazing thing. Very similar to what Paul would say later in the New Testament, that, that we've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. We're not like God. And while that's not a very popular subject in these days, it is a reality that especially at this time of year, when we come to an, an Easter season and we reflect that Christ did come and he was born and we celebrate Christmas, and yet we come to this place where he laid down his life, and guys, we should never minimize, never minimize the weight of the sin. Leonard Ravenhill is a uh, kind of a famous preacher. He's kind of one of those old-time, hard-time preachers. There was a time that he was strolling through the streets of where he lived, and, and, and a lady came up to him, and this lady invited him for tea, and she was quite poor. The house was uh, nothing much more than a shack. And he said he was a little bit hesitant, and she said, No, come on in. Are you, are you too good for me? She didn't go to the church, but she knew who he was, that he was kind of this big-time preacher. And he said, you know, I, I better go in. I, I want, for the name of Christ, I'm going to go in. And so we went in, and he said he had never been in a more despicable home. He said there was dishes piled up to here. Everything was dirty, and she began to uh, the pour the tea. And he said he was just really not looking forward to having tea <laughs> with her. Do you take cream in your tea? He said, yes. And she goes, well, I don't have any. Do you take sugar in your tea? Yes, I do. Well, I don't have any. And so he stares down at this cup, and he sees the dirt and the filth and everything is around. And, and he's just, he's very hesitant. 
And she says, is my tea not good enough for you? Is it because it's dirty? Is it because it's grimy? Drink it. At that point, he really had no choice. And yet this thought came through his mind. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when when Christ is, is praying for us and he knows that the cross is coming, there's a part in the scripture there where he begins to pray that if this, you know, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass. What is that cup? It's the wrath of God. It's the judgment against sin. And, and Jesus was willing to be obedient to the Father. But remember, he, he's totally human. He's totally God, but totally human. And there was a part of him that says, you know, I, I really don't want to be separated from the Father. I really don't want all the sins and the estrangement that would happen between my Heavenly Father and me. And yet, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. He was going to be an obedient Savior. And he took that cup. Leonard Ravenhill, that famous pastor, he said, as he began to drink that tea that evening, he said, he began to understand more and more of what it was that Christ had done when he drank that cup of wrath for us. See, that's as we follow on in that scripture, we begin to see more and more that in this time that he took on our sins, that there was a separation between the Father and the Son. The Bible even goes as far as to say in verse 10, this has always been an amazing verse to me, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him, the will of the Father to crush who? To crush Christ. He has put him to grief. And that's not a verse that we really look at a lot. We see the Heavenly Father. We see God as the Father, as this loving Father. And yet it said that it pleased Him to crush Jesus Christ. One of the greatest paradoxes of the entire Bible. And yet there's one purpose of that. See, we, when we look at the cross, folks, we can be guaranteed that the full judgment of sin, God's holiness against sin, was, was measured and put on Christ. Without that, there would not be the full payment. When he drank of that cup, he drank the entirety of the wrath of God and judgment. It's a time that we can have both judgment and then we can see the amazing grace of God. That is our hope this day, is that we can go to a place and we can come to a a place like this and we can remember the sacrifice of Christ and we can look upon that tree where he was nailed, and that we really can say it was for my sins that Christ died there. Now, again, if you grew up in the church, you probably have learned that since you were in you know, the nursery. And yet, every day when we have different battles in our life and sin comes into our life, what a reminder that God gives us that the price that was paid by Christ was final. When he said, it is finished, It was finished for all those who have placed their faith and their hope in that finished work of God through Christ. Here's why this is so important. Guys, our lives spiritually, we're going to be hot and cold. We're going to be left and right. We're going to be all over the place. And yet there's one thing that is consistent in that. Not your performance, not your ability to keep all the commandments of God, but what Christ did for you. What a relief. What a joy. What a hope that we have. That in our ups and our downs, that God doesn't look at us and say, okay, this is a down day, and I really can't have you in my family. 
and that we would become estranged from God because of the sin that we've allowed into our life. Now, as we come to a table and remind ourselves of the sacrifice of Christ, we look to him for our salvation and not our ability to perform. In one way, we've learned that since we were little. But every time we come to the table, I hope that that is refreshed and and new in your mind. In just a moment, we're going to have, we're going to sing a song and then we're going to have the Lord's Supper. The way that we do that oftentimes here, if you're visiting with us, is just you and your family or by yourself, you can come up and uh, just as you pray and take a a little bit of the, the cracker that represents the body of Christ and dip it into the juice that represents the blood of Christ, And you can just say that prayer and have that time, and then you go back to your seat. We do it individually. We do it as families as you would come. But the Bible does say prepare your heart. This is a very serious thing. And we don't do it just as a motion of activity. We don't do it as a religious kind of repetition. The Bible says prepare your heart. And that way, when you prepare your heart, you admit that, God, you know, man, I just haven't been following you very close. What a refreshing time this can be at the Lord's table when we are renewed, not in our performance, but in what Christ has done for us. I hope that makes sense to you tonight. Because it truly is. This is our hope and our salvation. That Christ and Christ alone is the one who paid for our sins. That even on our best day, we really wouldn't be able to impress a holy God. But on our worst day, and we've had some worse days, that God looks at us when we have put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, when we've repented and turned away from the, the, the way that we want to live, and we just put our faith and hope in what Christ has accomplished, God looks us, at us as sons and daughters of the living God. We go from an enemy, estranged from God, to a child of God, seated at his table. Because there is nothing more precious in all of life. Now, I just became a grandfather, and that's pretty precious. And in all reality, as precious, as wonderful, as great as that experience is, it so pales in comparison to know that the one who created me has provided a way for me to know him and be with him forevermore. So let's pray. Ready your heart. Then we'll, after the prayer, we'll stand and we will uh, sing a song before we come. And then you can just come individually when you're ready tonight if you would like to partake. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you, Father, for that finished work of Christ. Father, we see this brutality of the cross. Father, we, we see nails. We see the harshness of the physical things that happen to the very body of Christ. And yet, Father, in, in the midst of that brutality we do see a beauty. Father, we see redemption. We see forgiveness. Father, we see a final payment for sin uh, so that we could truly stand before you justified. Father, tonight as we come to this table, Father, as we will partake in this remembrance of the body of Christ and the shed blood of Christ, Father, I pray that we would ready our hearts and our minds that, Father, no matter where we've come from, Father, no, what, no matter what we've experienced this week, that, Father, we could leave here tonight in the full hope that, Father, it has all been paid for. That 
we've been made right with the holy, living creator of all because he's loved us enough to send his son. Father, we love you. We adore you. And now we worship you through song and through the remembrance of this Lord's Supper as we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.